Let's turn there together, Matthew chapter 1 and uh, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, that they came, but before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things... Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, which is, uh, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And shall bring forth the Son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Be careful when you read through the Christmas story or any portion of Scripture, especially those familiar portions of Scripture, we sometimes stumble over words and or the, the whole meaning of it, but there's just absolutely innumerable things recorded here for us of the record of Jesus' birth. We marvel at the, the record of his birth. The Scripture says in 1 Timothy 3.16, Great is the mystery of godliness. That God was manifest in the flesh. This, this mystery, how God could take on flesh, is the story of Christmas. His birth, his life, his death are all fulfilled paradoxes. You know, a paradox is a seemingly contradictory statement. Uh, Jesus, father of eternity, yet a son in time, chosen of God and elect, yet despised by men, born the king of the Jews, yet rejected by them, born of a woman, a virgin, yet had no father, came from Bethlehem, Egypt, Nazareth, David's son, yet David's Lord, the chief cornerstone, yet a rock of offense, a priest, and yet a king upon his throne, pleasing to God, yet abhorred by his own nation, priceless, yet sold for 30 pieces of silver, not only rejected by men, but forsaken by God, wounded and pierced, yet not a bone of him was broken, Cut off, yet his days were prolonged, now intervening, interceding, our coming king. The scriptures and the word someone has written bear witness, bear one tremendous name, the living and the written word in all things are the same. I want us to look at three aspects of this record of Jesus' birth in our text here in Matthew 1.18. Now, the birth of Jesus was on this wise. Holy Spirit is saying, this is how it was. This is the record. It's a very factual statement here. This is the written record of Jesus' birth. When as his mother Mary was espoused, betrothed, engaged to Joseph, before they came together. That's one of those phrases that you need to mark. Before they came together. You see the emphasis on the virgin birth of Jesus, Jesus Christ. Espoused to Joseph before they came together as husband and wife. She was found with child and the Bible tells us how that child came to be in her womb, of the Holy Ghost. Well, we see three things here. His birth was miraculous, his family tree was prestigious, and his life and death were glorious. Those are the things that we'll center our thoughts around this morning. First of all, notice his miraculous birth. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. What a miracle 
That's all we can say about it. That's the only record the Lord gives us except in Luke chapter 2. The Holy Spirit will overshadow Mary, the Bible tells us, and that holy seed that was in her will be placed there by a miraculous overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. The prophet Isaiah said, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, this is a very important part because there are many people who call themselves Christians or religious. There are many denominations uh, today, who are meeting on the Lord's Day and who go through all the rigmarole of, of religion, who deny this tenet, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. If you take out the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel, and everything else in the Bible is absolutely irrelevant. And that is not the case. The Bible is very specific here and says it in very different ways, in several ways, that Jesus Christ, before Mary and Joseph came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible's very clear about that. Isaiah, behold, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, in Isaiah's record in chapter 9, verse 6. Mary, upon hearing of the news, asked the question all of us wonder. She asked the very thing that we ask when we hear of this, unto the angel, how shall this be? How, you're telling me I'm going to have the, the Son of God. By the way, a prophecy that had been given since Genesis chapter 3, and all the Jewish women down through the ages wondered, would they be the one to have the Messiah, would be born to him? And, but Mary asked, how can these things be? I, seeing I know not a man. And the angel answered her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee to fulfill this amazing, these amazing prophecies of the birth of Christ. God performed a biological miracle. That's not the first time he did that, by the way. When he formed man from the dust of the earth, he formed a living soul. And if you were to reduce your uh, physical makeup to its components, it would just be a few, uh, maybe a pound or so or less of just minerals. I read somewhere those minerals, the real market value would be about 4 or $5 worth of zinc and sulfur, all the things that make up a human body. Well, that's where the Lord reached down by his own sovereign design, took dirt and made man, and then he borrowed from a man's side the rib and performed another biological miracle to perform the woman. Not only were Adam and Eve made miraculously, they were made with uh, already grown. They weren't babies and then nurtured and grew up. That, that was not the normal way that uh, people come into the earth. And so I, I point that out to show that this birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the miracle of miracles, was not the first biological miracle the Lord performed. In fact, when he said, let there be life and light and whatever he declared by his sovereign word, all of that is a miracle of the Lord. Mary had to learn that with God, nothing shall be impossible. I wish we would emblazon that in our hearts and minds this morning, that with God, nothing is impossible. And so by faith, Mary, the Bible tells us, was a believing, she was a just, uh, pure young lady, not just physically, but uh, she knew the Lord savingly. Joseph here in our record says that he was a just man in verse 19. The word just means one who is justified, not just a religious person. Justification is being cleared of sin, cleared of blame. And so by faith, Joseph had been saved. He was a just man. And by faith, Mary responded, as we all must respond to the claims of Christ. She submitted to those claims, even if she did not understand them. Uh, you will, if you're waiting till you understand all the components of the gospel, you'll never be saved. If you're waiting till you can put it all in a test tube or a spreadsheet or 
uh, test it in, in that kind of way, although there are historical accuracies and scientific accuracies in the scriptures, but faith is just that, is the hope of things, uh, the substance of things hoped for, believed in, though yet not have seen literally uh, face to face. And so by faith she responded. All of us must respond in that same way to the claims of Christ. And she said, be it unto me, how? According to your word. Whatever your word says, that's what I want to take place. And every one of us should come in that way. We come that way in salvation to be saved. We say, Lord, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I cannot make myself a new creature in Christ. I cannot redeem myself from the curse of the law or the chains of my own sin. And so I come to you by faith. To as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. The, the, the command to repent and believe in that command is the miraculous power of the gospel to save. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believeth. The command to believe and wrapped up in that is repentance, turning from ourself, turning from our sin, and turning to Christ. And the very command is always the divine enablement. If the Lord tells a man to take up his bed and walk who's never walked, he must obey that command before he can walk. And yet it's a miracle that takes place, isn't it? So the man who never had walked, when he took up his bed and walked, uh, he could give given all kinds of excuses why that could not be, never had been, how can it be, I can't walk, don't you know I'm paralyzed, have been from birth, you could go on and on. A sinner could say the same thing. But when the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, as the heart turns to the Lord in salvation, the miracle of regeneration, salvation takes place. And so... We rejoice in that. She said, be it unto me according to thy word. Now, throughout the scripture, whenever the birth of the Messiah is spoken of in prophecy, and it is mentioned many times, it re- its reference is always made to his mother or to the womb and, and never to a human father. Never a reference is made uh, to a human father because, quite simply, Jesus did not have one. He had an earthly guardian. If you want to call Joseph a stepfather who served in the place of a human father, I always marvel that when God became flesh, the eternal God of the universe entrusted uh, his son into the the, the, uh, godly home. So you see how important God's design is. The Lord Jesus Christ, God could have raised him with it by angels, you know, or in a somewhat what we might consider safer environment by beings, eternal uh, heavenly beings. But when he brought the Lord Jesus Christ to earth, he found a young lady and a man and placed Jesus in their home. And that's God's design. No wonder Satan hates the home. No wonder his strongest errors are against marriage and the roles of husband and wife and man and woman and children being raised in a nurturing, godly uh, Christian family and church family. He hates that. He's trying to destroy that. And the social engineers, the sociologists, uh, foresee a world with, without the, the home, without the, the mother and the father, uh, institutional kind of things. And, and, of course, man's design and man's plan is certainly flawed, isn't it? It's not what God determined. In Isaiah 49, verse 1, the Bible says, The Lord hath called me from the womb. This is a prophetic statement of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 49, verse 5, The Lord formed me from the womb to be his servant. Jeremiah 31, 22, The Lord hath created a new thing in the earth. A woman shall compass a man. And whether a new thing, something that's out of the ordinary, out of the natural order of things. Psalm 22, verse 9, Thou art he that took me out of the womb, that messianic Psalm 22. 
Micah 5, verse 3, until the time that she who travaileth hath brought forth. You see, the emphasis is on the mother bringing forth the baby, the, the virgin having the, the child. And we, we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God foretold, The Lord God said unto the serpent, I will put enmity, hatred, warfare, between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. The phrase there in Genesis 3.15, her seed, you see it's the the feminine pronoun, her seed is not found anywhere else in the Bible. So specific. And that that verse is of vital importance, Genesis 3.15, between her seed. Over a hundred times we read of the, the seed and seeds, but in all other cases it is referring to the seed of man. As biology in medicine tends to, to paint it. But here, the Holy Spirit says the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is a unique concept and can only be interpreted as a, a foreshadowing of the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So abnormal or super uh, human, <laughs> supernatural uh, is this event. It was not to be born of, if, if, if he was not to be born of a virgin, then the Holy Spirit would have referred to Adam and would have recorded his seed. That is the natural uh, consequence of things, and it's how the Scripture uh, puts it. In all the genealogies that are listed, his seed, not her seed, but the virgin birth is a new thing, a a great mystery revealed only to those who accept it and receive it by faith. 1 Timothy, as we mentioned, 3.16, is a wonderful verse for Christmas. I often would write it on Christmas cards. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. God took on flesh. That's what this is all about. The world has stolen it and made it into a mockery and a time of buying and selling and everything but emphasizing the birth of the Virgin of the Lord Jesus Christ. As you peer into that trillion-faceted jewel of the virgin birth, We can only say, I will seek to believe rather than reason, to adore rather than to explain, to give thanks rather than to penetrate, to love rather than to know, and to humble myself rather than to speak. But this miraculous element was not the formation of our Lord's body or its appearance in a manger, but in the manner of its conception. He was conceived apart from natural fertilization. That's what Mary was referring to when she questioned the angel and said, how can this be? I have never known a man. And she's meaning in the intimate physical way. She became expectant as a result of a divine creative act, indeed a miracle, an act just as amazing as the creation of the world. After Jesus' birth, she and Joseph had other children naturally. The Bible is very clear and specific. Some erroneously teach that, that Mary was forever a virgin, but that's not what the gospel writers teach. They talk about his brethren. Many of them did not believe until after his resurrection, and the, there are several references to that. We, it, nothing takes away from the virgin birth of Jesus Christ to also admit that he had brothers and sisters after his birth. And that The fact that he did have brothers and sisters or that Mary did have other children is hinted at here. He knew her not, in verse 25, until she brought forth her firstborn son. In fact, after that, uh, Mary and Joseph had children. And so the Bible is very clear. Matthew 13, verse 55, is one of those proof texts. It's good 
to make note of some of these things, where they asked, is this not the carpenter's son? They were putting down the, the deity of Christ and his ordinariness. Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And by their very questioning, they were referring to her uh, saying that she had been had the, the, the Lord Jesus without Joseph's aid. And so they threw off on his birth and called him an illegitimate child. Is this not Mary? And then they say, in his brethren... And they list them, list them, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters. Are they not all with us? When hath this man, uh, uh, when then hath this man all these things? Who, who is he? I mean, he has brothers and sisters. He's an ordinary. His, his father is Joseph. We know who his father is, the carpenter's son. And Mary is his mother. And so the, the record is very clear. It's important to note that in Isaiah seven fourteen, that the Septuagint translators, when they came to the Hebrew word Alma, they referred, rendered it Parthenos because it implied a young unmarried woman who had preserved the purity of her body. It's a very specific word. Mary was a virgin in this sense. Everyone who is born after the ordinary course of nature have the root of sin within them. It is passed on because of our parents. Had our Lord been born according to the laws of, of natural procreation, having a human father as well as a, a human mother, then he would have had to cry with David as, and the rest of us as David cries in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. But Hebrews seven twenty six tells us he was born holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. All of us are sinners. He was absolutely separate from us. How? What was the distinguishing factor? He was not a sinner, he was the Son of God. Because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, his substance was pure and immaculate and without original sin. All of us are born with original sin. And because of that, we will sin. Ultimately, when old enough, when given enough freedom and ability, I think it was Dr. James Dobson who said when a little toddler pitches the temper tantrum with all the anger, the blood in their faces and their veins popped out. If they had the strength, they would kill you. you know, it's that mad, you know, if you won't give them that Tootsie Roll. They just don't have the wherewithal to pull, up, pull over what they would do if they could do. The same anger is flowing through their veins at being crossed as an adult with a gun in their hands. Now, a lot of parents don't believe that, and we see the problems all around us today, the result of parenting that doesn't believe in the original sin, the depravity of man, the sin nature. A rattlesnake will bite you at some point. You may find a little bitty baby snake somewhere and perfume it and dress it and whatever and keep it in a, a pretty little box and feed it. And every day stick your hand in there and it not bite you. But I will guarantee you at some point you stick your hand in there and that snake will do what it is by its nature it was uh, programmed to do. It will bite you. Why, we ask. Well, we don't have to marvel at that much, do we? It's a snake, for crying out loud. What do venomous, poisonous snakes do? They bite. That is their nature. And you and I sin because we are sinners. We have the law of sin within us. We have inherited a sin nature from our parents, and at some point we will act upon it. That doesn't mean everybody does as bad as they could do. But within the heart and the mind of each of us are the possibilities of any manner of horror and sinfulness that we see on earth today. We sing in that beautiful carol, 
And please, as we sing these songs during the Christmas season, they're very doctrinal, and they teach us uh, beautiful truths. In the carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, the writer says, Offspring, late in time, behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Well, we could carry on and talk about the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. But there are other things that we need to look at as well. Look at there secondly. We note his family tree was prestigious. If you look back to chapter 1 in verse 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, it doesn't get more prestigious than that physically, humanly, does it? We've seen the Holy Spirit's agency in verse 18. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. But verse 16 tells us of Joseph's pedigree. Look there in verse 16. And, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. Do you see how careful the wording is? That Jesus was born of Mary. doesn't say of Joseph, but it does give us his background. Too often in our effort to rule out Joseph's physical contribution to our Lord's birth, we do overlook, though, vitally and important information that the Holy Spirit records for us about his stepfather. For one thing, God made sure that Jesus would have two earthly parents. That is God's design. That is his purpose in most cases. We know that sometimes that's not the case, but that is God's design. And we need to teach that and hold that and pray for that. He placed the only begotten son, as I've already mentioned, in a home. A perfect home, no. Joseph was justified. Mary was a godly woman. But they were not sinless. They were sinners. We do not take away from the sinlessness of Christ by, uh, as some, again, erroneously teach, that even Mary herself was immaculately conceived. Again, there's not one shred of evidence in the Scripture to teach that, and yet some hold to that, that she herself was born sinless, or without, uh, in a miraculous way, without the, the human parentage, at least a, a father. But the Bible doesn't teach that. He though the Bible tells us that he placed his son in a home. His unspeakable gift in 1 Corinthians into the ages was placed in the hands and the daily care of a man and a woman in an humble, ordinary home, not a wealthy home. And for those who think that people should have all the the trappings of wealth and luxury and everything that money could buy, our our heavenly uh, Savior was placed in an ordinary home. In fact, a home of of, of meager means. Uh, Joseph was a builder, a carpenter, who made things with his hands. And, of course, uh, certainly that's not a, a, a prestigious way of... Of, of living there was no trust fund or inheritance there or all the trappings of what most people think of are necessary but he was nurtured and cared for by this simple couple jesus was not raised by angels as i've mentioned you and i probably would have done it that way we would think that that'd be the best way to do it though their praises encircled uh, the heavenly throne room down to the eons of time saying holy 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 is the lord god of almighty these glorious praises were exchanged for a young maiden's lullaby, sung into the ear of the Lord of the earth. 
We notice several things, though, in passing about Joseph. I, I think we ought to point them out. That first, the Holy Spirit records for us, as I've already mentioned, but we can't uh, emphasize it enough in verse uh, 8 and 19 that he was a just man. In the Greek, the word just means innocent or holy or righteous. And since I've already belabored the fact that none of us are, we have to be, if we are called that, we have to be made that by something other than what we can do. The scripture says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness, so had Joseph. Please know that while the majority of Judaism was unsaved, did not get it, did not understand, and were not looking for the coming of the Savior, there's always been a believing remnant on earth. And we see them emphasized in the Christmas story, Anna and Simeon, and of course here Joseph and Mary. There were, a, 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 those are just some pointed out by name. We could look at Elizabeth and uh, uh, John the Baptist, mother and father. There's always been a believing remnant who had taken the Lord at his word, had been saved by faith and cleared from blame by their trust and belief, taking the Lord at his word. Uh, he had been saved by faith. Uh, he had, uh, Joseph had, he believed in the, the coming Messiah. And like all Old Testament believers in faith, looked toward the coming of the Messiah. The prophecy was well known which while in faith we look back to his finished work, they were looking forward to his coming and to his work on, in, our, in our place and for our justification. Justification is an unearned, miraculous gift from the Lord. Uh, before uh, he learned of the Mary's condition, Joseph was justified. And indeed, he gives us the marks of a spiritual person. Uh, we are given, a, the only snapshot of Joseph is given, or painting of him is given to us here in this portion of Scripture. Now, there's very scant information, but the information that's given us is remarkable. Uh, Joseph was the right kind of man uh, to rear the Lord Jesus. Every baby deserves a just, justified father and mother, godly parents. I think every baby should be born in that kind of home. Notice that when God was looking for someone to be the earthly father of Jesus, he didn't look for a wealthy man, as we've already pointed out. He didn't look for a famous man or a well-educated man. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but that's not the qualifications that the God the Father was looking for to be the father of, of Jesus. Or a distinguished man. Had the Holy Spirit not recorded for him us here, we would never have learned about Joseph. But there are no insignificant people in the Lord's eyes. The Lord knows us all. He knows our downsitting and uprising, and we're all important to him. He looked for and found a just man. That's the most outstanding qualification that any of us can have, is to be regenerated by the Spirit of God, to be truly saved. And so that's the qualification that's most important. Everything else, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what? All these other things will be added to you. Uh, they'll obscure to the world, and because through the circumstances of history and God's sovereignty, uh, he's largely forgotten. But uh, the, the Holy Spirit leaves for uh, all who care to know in Luke's gospel and Matthew's account the genealogy of uh, records of our Lord. We see here in verses 1 through 18, they're given to us. Remember that Luke records uh, Mary's lineage, 
while Matthew records Joseph's lineage. And this is very important to note because uh, we're given both parents, earthly guarded and, and mother's genealogical background. And in doing so, he traces Jesus' legal father in the eyes of the law. Do you see that a stepfather, an adoptive father, has all the, the legal privileges of, of that child. And so this is what we see in, in, in uh, Jesus' life. No Jew alive today has his legal uh, genealogy. Uh, the, all the records were destroyed in 70 A.D. at the temple. And so there's no Jewish person today that can trace themselves all the way back to the tribe. Even in the New Testament, it was rare as Paul uh, could uh, trace his lineage to the, the, the tribe of Benjamin. Even then, it was a few and far between that could do that. And Paul was very proud of the fact that he could trace his lineage back to the very tribe of Benjamin. Jesus is the only Jew, and that was because the tribe of Benjamin just kept accurate records. The others did not. Jesus is the only Jew alive today who can prove his legal rights to David's throne. And the Bible gives us here in these two chapters that right. We see in these verses the faithful providence of God. Through 2,000 years of human history, God overruled, and he brought his son into the world through the, the nation of Israel. There were so many times when you read the Old Testament, uh, the, the times when the, the royal seed was almost absolutely annihilated. One time it was down to one person, just a little boy. In verses 18 through 25, Matthew shows here the fulfilled promise of God, proving that Christ came just as the prophet Isaiah and the other prophets predicted. In verse 19, we see that Joseph was a chivalrous man, uh, acting graciously, uh, even when he was confused and before he had all the facts. And, of course, he would have been confused. I mean, there's, this is defying anything logical but the Bible tells us while he thought on these things, we see a lot of, a lot of qualifications, the qualities of Joseph. He was thoughtful. A godly man should be a thoughtful man. We should think before we act. The impulse would be, oh, I'll just put her away. And he did think about breaking that betrothal, that, that espousal period, that, that if she had been unfaithful. But all the while in verse 19, the Bible tells us his concern was for Mary. No one would believe her because she would have the baby, not willing to make her a public example. So horrible would that be for Mary that he was minded to put her away in private and to take care of the situation in a way that it would not be made public. And so we see his graciousness heart. Not only was he justified, but his chivalrousness. And he, even though he was confused before he had all the facts, uh, we, we say there, a public example. Of, you might ask the question, a public example of what? Of course, all their friends and relatives and neighbors would assume what anybody naturally would assume, that if Mary's and Joseph's account was true, that they had not come together, that they were lying, and that they had been immoral before the official wedding day. So Joseph came up with a plan, and so often our plans are, are flawed, aren't they? Well, I'll have an idea how I'll help God out. And it's not wrong to plan. We should submit all of our plans to the plan of God. And the only way to know the plan of God is in his word. And here, thankfully, the Lord intervened and told Joseph exactly what his plan was. Out of his love for her, to spare her the shame of an unwed mother, he would put her away. But his plan was overruled. Now, a lesser man would have gone through with it. 
uh, would not have listened to the prompting of the Holy Spirit and the angel that God sent him. But he was, his plan was overruled. Thank the Lord when your plans are messed up. Thank the Lord when he, by his divine working, and brings to pass things only he can, that his will is obvious to us. Don't we want him to work in such a plain and obvious way and close every door and open only the one that he wants us to go through and whatever else it takes to keep us in that narrow place, in that place of blessing, and not to get outside the circumference of his will. The, the plan was overruled. You ought to pray today as you make your to-do list, Lord, mess it up at any time if you want me to do something else. And witness to someone, we're going to see this morning how the Lord uh, Jesus, when he comes to the, 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 the well there and witnesses to the woman at the well, he was in doing exactly what the Father's plan was for him. And, and we can do the same. We ought to have the same mindset. And so we, we see his tenderness and his love and his graciousness in trying to protect Mary. He was a man of character, not of hasty judgment. And oh, how we need a wagon load of that. Stop and think. Sift through the facts. Ask the Lord to lead us and guide us, not to act just at in, in impulse because there's a way that seems right in demand. What comes to us naturally and first of all is usually and probably not the best way or the right way. As we wait upon the Lord, God is gracious to show us his will and we should always have that, that kind of attitude. Verse 20, just underline, while he thought on these things... If he hadn't have waited and thought, he never would. He would have missed the angel's appointment. He'd have gone on in haste and made arrangements. And there I've, I've made these arrangements. Going to stick with him. We'll send Mary away. She's going to go to the mountains and live with Aunt So and or whatever. And gone through with them stubbornly, like most people would have. But but Joseph was thinking and praying, and there the Lord spoke to him, which shows you how to get direction from the Lord as you reflect and meditate on the Word of God. God will speak to you today because he's already said all he's going to say in this word. He will speak to you through his word. You see how important it is to take time every day to do that? Don't you have to make decisions every day? Some are more important than others. But how often would we spare ourselves the, the mistake of making bad mistakes if we just stopped and thought and said, the Lord, guide me here. As I read your word today, open my heart and mind to your truth and to your voice May I hear what you have to say? Because the principles of, of how God will lead and guide in our life are revealed to us in his word. Well, he waited on the Lord's direction, clear direction, and his relationship with Mary and allowed the Lord to lead and guide him even though it was uncomfortable, even though his reputation was at stake. And I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to be made a spectacle for Jesus Christ? Think about it. Joseph and Mary loved the Lord so much and were justified, it proves that they're standing before him. They were, were so willing to be right with the Lord and to, to follow him, even if it meant being a spectacle, whatever it meant, a suffering outside the camp, as it were, for the Lord. Most importantly, he obeyed the Lord's orders. It's one thing to wait and think, and then we still go and do what we want to do. But verse 20 says that while he thought on these things, the angel appeared to him, Fear not to take in thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible tells us, when all, in verse 21, 22, and all this was done, and he, verse 24, he took unto her his wife. He obeyed what the Lord... Our problem is not knowing necessarily what the right thing to do is. Our problem is just not doing it. Obeying what he tells us. 
in so doing, very much like a person who, who comes to the Lord and, and just makes a public profession of their faith in Him. See how important it is? He just cast his lot with Mary. We're in this thing together. I join with you. And very similar to that is when a person decides to publicly follow the Lord in baptism or join with his people, uh, the, the, the church. He gives himself over to the Lord and says, I don't care what anybody says or does or whatever thinks of me. I want to be the Lord's and I'm going to follow him, humble myself in that, that humbling ordinance of baptism, uniting myself with the Lord's humble people and uh, do his will I'm going to serve him no matter what others think. There's often a price to be, to be paid. He was mil- willing to make himself a public example, a spectacle, if that's what God's will called him to do. We can't always change the circumstances that surround us in this life. Things happen to us outside of our control. Joseph was certainly one of these people, as well as Mary, for, as far as that concerned. And so we can't always change the circumstances that surround us but we can determine to stop and think biblically and ask ourselves the question, what saith the Lord? What does the Scripture say to do? What would the Lord have me to do? To, to act responsibly and graciously and be willing to go with him all the way, as the song says, I'll go with him, with him, all the way. Well, verse 22 tells us, now all this was done. Now all this is quite a bit of things, isn't it? Can you imagine? We can't even... We can't even Imagine what all the emotion and the revealing to her parents and family, all of that. But all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. There's so much more we can learn from Joseph's godly example. But in the the few minutes left us, I want us to look at our third point, that our Lord's life and death were glorious. When Dr. Luke begins his account, his biographical account, of the Lord Jesus, he writes, For as much as, uh, as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. I love the way he puts that. These things are accurate. These things we hold, these things we surely believe, even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses, that thou mightest know the certainty of these things. You see how important this is? This is no fairy tale. It's no maybe so. Luke says, we determined to set a record, an accurate record, because of the things that are surely held among us. We were eyewitnesses to these events. The Apostle John, when closing out his gospel, says this, this is the disciple which testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. And he closes by saying, Amen. Well, our Lord's birth was a manifestation of God's plan and purpose in the ages. His, uh, was a, his cradle was, uh, a cross his cradle, we might say, it was a shadow of a cross. The baby in the manger, Revelation tells us, was slain before the foundation of the world and love drew salvation's plan in that predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge of God. He preceded all prophecy and then came and lived it out. And while he came fulfilling all the predictions made about him, he came primarily because of the decision made at the cabinet of the Trinity before time began. The angelic announcer with Mary's, of Mary's unborn son that said that he did, when he did appear, that his name must be Jesus, 
because true to his name, he was to save sinners. And I might add the only one who can save sinners is this one by that name, Jehovah Saves. This was the supreme purpose of his humiliation in being made lower than the angels. Think of he who inhabited heaven's praises, became a human, and on a lower plane than the angels. And by that we mean those miraculous supernatural beings have powers that we know not of. They have powers of transport and great might and ability that God uses them to bring about uh, his uh, will on earth. Our Lord did not lose any of his deity, but to some degree he did limit his ability uh, to do what he could do before he took on flesh. He, though he was um, omnipresent, and is omnipresent as a man, he limited himself to a body to one place at one time for a specific uh, period of time. And so you see how he, he did limit uh, some of his glory and his abilities in some way to become one of us. The infinite being corralled into a body. The, the ancient of days being corralled into a human body into a specific time and place, which every human being is here at a specific time and place until we're released from this body and the soul goes to be with the Lord in eternity. This was the supreme purpose. It, it was because of that that his incarnation and his crucifixion were born together. I've had people who often have asked, why do you emphasize so much his crucifixion and his birth? Because his birth would be of no consequence if, if the cross and the, what he accomplished at the cross and his resurrection did not complete. He was born to die. He came for that end. And we point to both when we point to either one. We were born to live, and Jesus was born to die. The sole design of his crib was his cross. He was God in human flesh, First Timothy 3.16 tells us. He manifested the Word. He was the Word made flesh. He embodied it. He lived it out. He, John says the Word was made flesh and dwelt, tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness saying, this was of whom I spake. He came not to destroy the law. Uh, his contemporary said, you're, you're tearing up and destroying everything that we've held to all these years. And all they could point to was the types and the figures in the very building that pointed to him. When he said, you destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days, they were upset. Why? They were thought he was talking about the temple, which, by the way, was just a grand object lesson about him. Everything in there, the brazen altar, the, the, the altar of sacrifice, the Holy of Holies, all that pointed to the, the work that Jesus Christ would come to do. He came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. It's every command, every jot and tittle, and triumphed over Satan. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven to let us in. Well, the account was settled in a past eternity, and the price was paid when Jesus took on a human body, and after living in it for 33 years, to totally fulfilling the purpose and the law of God, he died in that body, bearing in his body the terrible load of our sin, the horrible uh, treatment at man's hands, and they called his name Jesus. Praise the Lord that his name is Jesus. He is a Savior. 
He will one day come to rule and reign, and he is our Lord. He is the king of our, our church and our home and our lives. And one day he will be the eternal king, but today he is Jehovah saves. And we come to him in that name today, making him known, and we point you to the Savior, Jehovah, Jehovah saves. He shall save his people from their sins. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for your precious word. Teach us these things by your spirit. And may we tell them to others, we pray in Jesus' name.